Talking Heads podcast. My name is Big Juicy J. Jesse. And I'm your boy, Daniel Sturman. And today we're going to be talking about God knows what. How you doing, bud? How's your day? I'm doing all right, man. Doing I had a pretty okay. good day. I'm excited. Excited to be recording this podcast. Biked to and from work. That was great. Um, actually, I stayed at work kind of late. And my Ooh. manager saw through a window. And he makes like biking motions, which is good. Yeah. Because it means that he's, he was telling me, he was like, Daniel, you got to leave. Yeah, you got to get out of here. Dark. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is great. Because now he sees how hard of a worker I am. Yeah. That's all you needed for validation. <laughs> oh, totally. That's absolutely such a huge part. And how many hours did that take? How, how late were you? Mm, it was about six. Oh, wow. And you got there at, what time did you get there? <laughs> 9.30. Oh, okay, never mind. Not that impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, he just said, he's probably saying, why'd you bike here so late? That was, that was... He definitely knows that I get to work late. What do you do this for, is... what do you do for lunch? I eat lunch with some homies at work, actually. It's, it's really, it's a really important part of my day. You eat out because... every day? What? You eat out every day. No, no, no. No, we bring food. Well, oh, awesome. I, I didn't oh, know. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if you brought. Oh, we all bring our lunches. Sorry, I, that was unclear. Um, no, no, I've I've got a group of friends at work that are you know kind of my age peers. You know what I mean? I've I've got a group of peers at work, and we all eat lunch in the same kind of the same courtyard area together uh-huh. every day. When we weren't in quarantine, everybody was bringing their own lunches. Now that we are in quarantine, um, our company is actually giving us lunch Whoa. because they want to make sure nobody's leaving. Right. They want to make sure nobody's leaving. Yeah. So no, we're, we're, we're just eating outside super far away. It's good. That sounds pretty nice, dude. I would kill for a place to give me free food. I would oh, kill. Game changing. Yeah. It, it has yeah. changed everything. Yo, you know, you know Oba, right? Yeah. Yeah. My boy Oba. I went to go uh, hang out with him before we went out for a trip one time, and he had still some work to, he still had some work to do. And he came in, and he just started handing me food that they had that they just had. And then when we got back from the trip, he it was a work day. It was Monday. And he just like said, like, oh, hang out and come meet me for lunch. And I did. And he just his, he co- fed me with his company resources. It's incredible. Yeah. It's it was incredible. So, yeah, my, my company is not doing that exactly. Yeah. Like, we don't have extra food. Like, we're not having guests come. They're right. really doing it because they don't want people um, leaving. Yeah, which makes of, sense. Yeah, they're, they're trying to c- contain everything. Yeah. And, um, but it, it, dude, it's great. And eating lunch with with a group, it's super important for me because yeah. it means that I have to stop what I'm doing to eat. Right, right. Or else sometimes I'll just I'll just keep going, and then I'll wind up being like way off my like eating schedule. Right. Then you'll be all sad at five o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, though, it's awful. It's yeah. a Deep, deep problem. Yeah. I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel. yeah, no. Today was. How was your day? Overall, I had a good day. I, I was really productive. I am about to deploy a website, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, mm-hmm. All right, Daniel, tell um, the people a little bit about, uh, give them a little snippet of what you're talking about today. So today I'm going to be talking about why flying squirrels consistently are able to outfight snakes. Um, but mostly I'm going to be talking about um, a really cool video I saw about ADHD. Woohoo! Prime. Actually, that's all I'm going to say about snakes. <laughs> and I made it up as well. So just talking about ADHD today. God damn it, Daniel. I was really excited about the first topic. <laughs> the second topic's way more interesting, I promise. Here's the show. 
today I'm going to be talking about a really cool video I saw the other day. Mm -hmm. um, on It was on YouTube on a channel called Understood. Uh -huh. The title of the video was ADD slash ADHD and some other stuff. Love it. In the title. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was actually really cool. So, so the context here uh, for the viewer, right, is that I personally have ADHD. I've had it. I mean, obviously, I've had it my whole life because that's how medical conditions like this work. Mm -hmm. But I've been diagnosed with it, uh, again, like basically my whole life, like since elementary school. So I take medicine and like all, all this. But the re so the really interesting thing to me is that I've noticed lately through this video and through a conversation I had with a friend of mine who, who mm -hmm. teaches in public schools that ADHD understanding and education has changed dramatically in the last like 10 to 20 years, right? So between the time when I was in elementary school, middle school, high school, yeah. and now, I mean, just a completely new way of looking at this condition. Has in what way? So this video said it really well. And, and probably the most powerful thing in this video that I really liked, it was, it was some professor from Yale who studies like psychology. And he said, people have to understand that when somebody with ADHD isn't focusing on you, it is not a problem of willpower. Mm -hmm. It's a chemical deficiency in yeah. their brain. Yeah. And no amount of willpower can really overcome this chemical deficiency. It's not just about like deciding to like work harder and like really focus yeah it just doesn't work like that that's yeah. not the way the human brain works mm -hmm. yeah and so so this guy was talking about how uh, a lack of willpower is not why this guy was talking about how when somebody with adhd can't focus it has nothing to do with a lack of willpower but it actually is related to like legitimate chemical compositions in people's brains well, so, I mean, I guess I don't really know much about ADHD. I mean, you've had it your entire life. So I guess coming from your viewpoint, if you can put yourself in this scenario of somebody or in, in, in the feet up foot in a common conversation or interaction that stokes ADHD where it's very evident, can you explain kind of the thought process and your ability to interact on uh, a social level in the frame of ADHD? Like, Take the statistics you just said and what you said and tell me, tell, give me your personal spin. Okay. That's a great question. Here's a really good, this super personal example. It's happened several times in my life and each time has been like moderately significant. Yeah. When I was a sophomore in college, I was sitting in class and I spin my pen. And for people who know me, I mean, I'm, I, I spin pens constantly. I'm spinning it around my middle finger and my index finger. And it's just going and kind of figure eights around those two fingers, right? right? And like, that's it. I do it all the time, constantly, right? Mm. And one time I was doing this in, in a college lecture and there were probably like, I would say like 50 or more students in this lecture hall. And I was like maybe toward the middle of the pack. Like I wasn't yeah. in the front row. Like I wasn't all the way in the back. Like, uh, you know, somewhere in the middle with friends, mm -hmm. not talking, just, you know, there were people around, right? Right. And the professor stops the lecture and he looks at me and he goes, you need to stop spinning your pen. Put that away and pay attention. No. Stop the whole lecture. What'd you say? Um, in the moment, I cannot, I actually don't remember what my response was in the moment. Mm -hmm. I probably just put the pen down. Right. Uh, 
And then I, I definitely went and found him after class. That that I definitely went and I spoke with him and explained that like that's not a thing. Yeah. Well, what's I his response? Can't stop. Yeah. Oh, he had no he had no understanding of it. Right. He the the concept to him that I could that I needed to be doing this mm-hmm. completely foreign. Right. He had no he had no personal experience of his own. Mm-hmm. He was looking at me and thinking this kid has a lack of willpower and is being a dick. And so was it complete remorse? No, he was completely not remorseful. Wait, remorse? Like, he was he no sorry? Remorse. Was he no, sorry? Not, no. What? No, so, his opinion was unchanged. His opinion was unchanged. Oh, he refused to accept. Yeah. Oh, my God. And this still happens to me, viewer. So, yeah, no, guys. So, like, that's why this this understood podcast or YouTube video that I that I listened to the other day uh-huh. was really hit me pretty powerfully, is because, you know, I I have these experiences and I'm spinning my pen right now. Yeah, like it's it's not really an option, right? For me to not be spinning this to not be doing something is not always an option, right? And a lot of people in my personal life or in professional contexts, they don't have a frame of reference for understanding that to be true. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm talking about this week. That's crazy. So the thought process uh-huh. at our society is developing around mental illness, mm-hmm. ADHD being a kind of mental disability. I don't know if you consider it to be an illness or a disability, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not that much of an expert on the, the terminology. Yeah. But we are now teaching people. We're teaching young people. We're teaching teachers. We're teaching adults. Mm-hmm. We're teaching parents. Mm-hmm. That this is not a condition that has to do with willpower. This is not a condition that has to do with behavior. Yeah. These are not behavioral problems. This is not a bad kid. Yeah. This is a chemical imbalance that may or may not be helped with medicine, mm-hmm. but will never be solved or cured, but is rather a condition, a disability, if you will, mm-hmm. that this person needs to learn coping skills for. And that mindset change is fantastic. This is going to have a huge impact on the lives of human beings in our communities, mm-hmm. in our society, in our communities, in America, in California, in Mountain View, mm-hmm. and in the world, right? Yeah. Like as, as they perpetuate and propagate. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited to see these attitudes in this education coming up. What do you think started all of this change? Ooh, that's a really good question. I think a better understanding of mental illness and disability as a whole. Right. Like since the 70s or 60s, disabilities generally have become, especially physical disabilities, Mm -hmm. like curb cuts and wheelchair ramps, like stuff like that Mm -hmm. became very prominent. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Berkeley for being like a massive pioneer in that movement. Oh, really? Oh, huge. I that could be another week. (laughs) Um, But um, I think over the last, you know, 20 years, we've seen a lot of really groundbreaking work in mental illness. Mm -hmm. And I think this ADHD concept is really falling under that. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just great. It's great to see this being discussed in a new way. I, I mentioned earlier, I have a friend who's a, a teacher in public schools. Mm-hmm. And she was telling me how students now, um, diagnosed or not, or whatever, I, I, I'm not sure they would, I would have to ask her for clarification. But yeah. there are students who will be in a classroom, let's say third grade, mm-hmm. and they'll be sitting in the back of the classroom, and they will need to stand up and walk around. Yeah. And they're allowed to do that. Guys, I I cannot I cannot explain or express to 
somebody who was who grew up in an environment where they're allowed to do that how big of a deal that would have been for yeah. me i had one teacher in my entire like elementary experience mm. when i was in first grade my teacher let me sit in the back of the class and she let me stand up whenever i wanted and like it changed my life like not the standing but the teacher right and the understanding how often yeah. did you stand up during like an, any oh, period of time? Every day, every single day, most of the year. Whoa. I was I was standing for most of first grade. And <laughs> and it was fine. Yeah. And now people who maybe have, you know, cognitive things or physical things mm-hmm. that need they don't they no longer have to rely on getting Mrs. Pepperdine, my first grade teacher who is like an amazing is an amazing human being. Mm-hmm. They now are being accepted by the general public and they can arrange with their teacher. Hey, sometimes I need to stand up and they're right. allowed to do that now. IEPs are one thing that has come that is, um, if you're not familiar with it, it's individual education plan, I think. Uh, and that's kind of in the same vein as getting to special accommodations to um, accommodate for different deficiencies or different conditions. And so, you know, IEP f- will follow a kid all the way through elementary into high school. And I think that's a really interesting thing that I never heard about. I don't think it was around when I was a kid, at least. Um, and the thing about it, having every teacher re- recognize every teacher be Miss Pepperdine. Yeah, no, it, it's a huge deal. I actually had an IEP. Whoa. Um, I had a 504C and then I had an, IO- an IOP, IEP. Uh-huh. Whatever. I had all of them, man. Yeah, all the P's. I had when I went to college, yeah. My sophomore year, there was a there was a there were certain events that occurred where, where I needed to uh, register with my school. I needed some help from my school uh-huh. um from the disability services office at my school. Mm-hmm. And I they were at like, Well, are you diagnosed? I had a stack of paper, literally like 50 pages <laughs> of like my diagnosis from second grade. And right. they were like, and they helped me enormously. And that was another experience in my life where I worked with my school's Office of Disability Services. Can honestly, it changed my life. Right. Completely changed my college experience, which then changed the trajectory that I started my like adult life on. Yeah, I went from being like basically a B student mm-hmm. my freshman year and the first half of my sophomore year mm-hmm. uh, to a straight A student. Wow. Second half of my sophomore year and the first half of my junior year. Did that track through senior? Uh mostly A's. I didn't, I didn't maintain the straight A's, mm-hmm. but there was like a full year where, where it was just like, I mean, it was just a huge deal. And, yeah. and I guess what I'm really trying to say is that I'm, I'm just so thrilled for these changes that are happening in the way our society is viewing mental illness mm-hmm. and the way our society is viewing mental disability, like ADHD, which as I said, I have, I think it's mm-hmm. fantastic. And I'm really hopeful for the, for the impact for everybody to come. Man, that's such a good topic. That's such good news to hear about. All right, man. Yeah, man. All right, Jesse. What's your wait a moment? Wait, what's the next box? Do I ask you for your news? Well, Daniel, the next box is Dan's decisions. <laughs> Daniel, are you ready to make a decision? I'm so ready for this decision up in here. 
Okay, Daniel, I'm going to go ahead and give you two selections. I want you to pick the exact selection that you want to do. And I want you to give me some reasoning as to why you're doing this. And I'm giving a lot of preface early, uh, this week because last week you seemed to conveniently change these choices. <laughs> All right, Dan, would you rather run a small country for a year in South America or run a big country in Africa for a year? Big geographically or per capita? Like, like is it a big country because it's got a lot of people in it? Or is it like physically large? Physically large and then physically small. Okay. But equal numbers of people? Yeah. Definitely South America. Ooh, wait, hold on. Yeah. Why? I think my odds of like having a terrible experience are a lot lower if I were in South America. All right, let me let me break this down for the viewer here. <laughs> for the people who may not be aware of our world's current geopolitical and socioeconomic issues, Africa is like massively impoverished. And Daniel Sturman, I don't think, would have the personal strength to deal with those problems in a country that he's unfamiliar with. I think I would crumple like a paper doll and be sad all the time. Yeah. It'd be so hard. Yeah. It's a good point. <laughs> yeah. 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 I have huge amounts of respect for everybody in the world who's doing like charity work and aid work and helping build those communities up. And I, I really sincerely like don't think that I have that emotional fortitude. So I'm going to South America. Yo, think about it. This is this is slightly related. Think about it. Somewhere on this planet there's a government, big, small, whatever, that has to deal with like tigers, right? Like there's a department of that government that's like, yeah, two more people were killed by tigers today. And a government's got to be like, all right, like forward this email so we can get rid of these tigers. Hey, can you give me some context? Like what? Government? Just, just think about it, right? Like it was the, let's say it's a small town in the middle of the Sahara, right? Small local government. Oh, God. You know, Jimmy is going out looking for some fruit the other day and he was going to that one tree, and he just got he just got murdered by a tiger. A tiger? I'm not a tiger. That wouldn't be a tiger. This is Africa. He's it murdered by a, He's murdered by a cheetah. What? Cheetah hasn't been here in so long. Were you kidding me? All right, well, go, go get your gun. I guess we're gonna go look for some cheetahs. Like that's that's a problem that needs to be dealt with with bureaucracy. <laughs> I think that's kind of interesting. Face eaten off by <laughs> cheetahs. Yeah. Do we have the funding for that? Nah. So what's gonna happen? I guess nothing. <laughs> we ran out of darts. We, we ran out of darts in the blowgun. <laughs> That's it. We've got nothing in the budget. We <laughs> spent it all on carpeting. Look, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Stop going to that fucking tree, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Stop fucking buying carpets. We don't got enough floors for the carpets. We have a surplus of carpets and uh, <laughs> no darts to fight off these goddamn cheetahs. Look, we already bought the carpets. <laughs> Why I don't is know there more? They're non-refundable. Once they're installed, you have to untack them. God damn it, Jimmy. Why did we elect you president? A 13-year-old kid. Why would we do that? Why did we let the president get his face eaten off by tigers? Do you know the song Lean On Me? Yeah. Some times in our lives. We all have pain. We all have sorrow. But if we are wise, 
We know that there's always tomorrow. Daniel, go. Lean on me. Woo! When you're not strong. Hey. And I'll be your friend. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. Jesse. It won't be long. So I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. So just call on a brother when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. I might just might have a problem that you'll understand. We all need somebody to lean on. Woo! All right, Jesse, what's your news for the week? What's your bit? Oh, my God, Daniel. I thought you'd never ask. Well, Daniel, you know, I was really ready for this, and I want you to sit back and relax because I'm just going to really serenade you, and we're actually going to do a practice round of something that I like to call, it's a course on negotiation. Are you ready? Yo, you're listening to it. Yo, Yo everybody, Jesse's using my master class. <laughs> so get this. He, uh, there's a formula to that, right? And so he, obviously, like, I'm not great at it yet. Uh, all right, let me break it down. So basically, the strategy is step one, pick your price that you want to pay. Your first offer is 65% of that. You want to do something called a accusation audit. And so whatever you think the other person is going to be thinking of you, you get out ahead of it. So if you're a salesman and you and I want you, and I think that you may think that I'm sleazy, I'll say, you know what? You're going to think I'm sleazy. You're gonna think I'm a terrible person, you know. I, I think, and and you really want to lay it on thick, almost to the point where they're going, no, no, I'm not gonna think. No, what are you talking about? You want them to be on your side, tactical empathy. And so they you give your number, they go, you know, that's not really what I was thinking. Well, will you do? Let's say in this situation, you said 800. Will you do 800? And then you go, you take some time, you look into it, and you give your second number, and you, you let's say you put it up by like 10 percent. I think there's an actual percentage he recommends. They go, oh, you know, that's not actually the, you do some more auditing, uh, accusation auditing in the middle, and, and then they go another number, a second number, and the third number you throw out is going to be the one that they're going to take. So you, what you do between the second and third offer is, is you take time. You make it look like you are, that they're getting every single penny that you can possibly pay. And so what you do on the final offer is offer a smaller percentage than you did before so that they know that your window of offering things is getting smaller. You end it on an odd number because odd numbers for some reason communicate are more attractive than even numbers. And you throw in something that's non-monetary, something they probably didn't even want because it makes it look like you, they're really just taking everything from you. It's brilliant. Yeah, it is pretty clever. That's extremely effective. I'm going to have to check this class out. Yeah, it's really good. He's, he's a New Yorker. He was the head of the FBI negotiations for a while. He has actual conversations recorded that he had with um, hostage situations. You can just learn this, dude. Yeah. Like, these, are just, these are skills that can be learned the same way riding a bicycle can be learned, the same way cooking can be learned. Mm-hmm. Like, these are completely valid and legitimate skills. Yeah. And I feel like everybody should learn them. Yeah, I'm actually on a mock video right now where he is uh, simulating how to go about a uh, salary negotiation for a raise. Really? Yeah. I heard a I heard a piece of advice once that when you're asking for um, when you're naming your price for your salary, mm-hmm. 
you should in your own head think of numbers that are higher and higher and higher mm. so you think of a number that you so high you literally laugh out loud yeah that's the number you ask for and then they'll just like shortchange you but they'll base it off that number yeah why wouldn't you always yeah. put like a million dollars well I within mean, reason i mean like it's based on like where you personally think like <laughs> that's funny yeah and then you want you don't necessarily get that number right but like i think the concept is there's a lot going on in that emotionally i think and like mm-hmm. intellectually yeah but i think the concept is that everything under that you were pretty serious about yeah yeah and like why shortchange yourself like if you think you're worth xxx yeah then ask for xxx plus one right yeah and the way he says it is come bearing two hands so that one of the hands is filled what's that mean so come asking with two hands so that you ensure that one of them gets filled if you just ask for one hand they're going to fill that hand or they may not fill that hand but if you ask for two hands they're going to fill one of the hands right because they want to make sure they're meeting you halfway exactly exactly so highly recommend yeah dude super interesting Great episode, man. Always All right, happy dog. Time. I'll see you later, Love dog. You. Love you, dude.